Welcome to this episode of Revolution and Ideology. I am Nick. I'm Jared. In this episode, we're going to be talking about the Netflix film, The Social Dilemma. Um, I just want to preface this with, it's actually a really good film, and you should definitely watch it if you haven't already. It's directed by Jeff Orlowski, who also directed Chasing Ice, which he won an Emmy for, and Chasing Coral, which are really good films. And it features Tristan Harris, who used to work for Google and now has a nonprofit speaking out against the ills of social media. Uh, he has a really good TED Talk that I show in my classes sometimes, and he testified in front of Congress, and there's a video of that, which is really good. Uh, so it's a good film, but we are going to critique it because that's what we do. So I highly suggest that you go see it. Uh, don't go see it. Just watch it in your house because you can't go see it. It's on Netflix, but you know what I mean. The first critique I have is that it doesn't feature longtime digital activists. So many people have been raising red flags about the ills of technology for such a long time but this film, if you haven't seen it, uh, features a lot of white male, honestly, uh, people that used to work for tech companies, some of whom designed this very technology that they're speaking out against, talking about these issues. Uh, but so many people have been talking about this for so long. Just an example, because it was on my bookshelf. This book is called The Attention Merchants. It's by Tim Wu. And it basically goes through uh, everything that they talk about in the film, for the most part. And... So there are so many other works that are talking about this. So that's one of my critiques uh, of the film. Anything on that one? So my, my critiques uh, being the, the wannabe Luddite, right? Not necessarily into technology. Um, one of my critiques is that um, people were talking about this effect that technological advancement would have long before this era. Um, and, and I think it was ignored. I think, again, uh, understanding how Edward Bernays was able to use um, psychological manipulation all the way back in the early 20th century um, is important for us to understand. I think the fact that they ignored Marcuse and the one-dimensional man, um, I think the fact that they even overlooked in the 90s industrial society and its future, who was talking about how surrogate activities get people to think, act, and uh, 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 speak in certain ways, I think that was... I, honestly super short-sighted on this this documentary so again it's not just with the technological era it's with the entire era of basically trying to control people's behavior through media yeah there's a rich history yeah. of this discourse and this film yeah. completely ignores that history and basically just starts as if i mean there was one quote on like propaganda one. and how it works or something yeah. like that and that's fine i get that wasn't the emphasis of the film but like again a brief shout out to the fact that this idea is not novel which agreed know, yep the film focuses, this is another critique, so much on the polarization created by social media, the political polarization, but it ignores another issue that Jerry and I like to talk about a lot, which is narcotizing dysfunction. Mm -hmm. In fact, we have a complete video on that, a complete episode, um, so you can listen or watch that. But the idea of narcotizing dysfunction is that we have so much information that we substitute being informed for taking real action. And very clearly that exists on social media where people, you know, this idea of clicktivism and liking videos and sharing memes and like people think they're actually doing real world activity when they're doing this, but they absolutely are not. They're just informed and taking part in these, to use Jared's term, it's not Jared's term, but the term he just used, surrogate activities, they're not actually doing anything real. And so while technology very clearly does polarize us, which is the goal of the film, they don't at all talk about some of the other effects uh, that are equally as important, such as making us apathetic and making us less likely to take action. 
Yeah, I mean, it's all about agency. Like social media and really any media of any kind is actually not meant to create agency. It's meant to generate profits, which Nick will talk about more here in just a minute. But it's actually to remove that agency that, so that you continue to consume whatever that media is. And that's fine. That's not a shock to most of us, whether we're trying to, whatever, level up something in a video game, our sword or our gun or whatever whatever game you play or your football player or your basketball player. That's meant to take up time. And that substitutes as actual real agency as to actually getting out on that basketball court yourself or leveling leveling up in your job or going out in this specific case when we're talking about activism actually going out and be active right and so that's what i think one of the dangers of social media is and that the film does it, i mean it completely cops out on yeah right? if you put facebook down and go have dinner with your friends facebook no longer makes money so they have an incentive they have a profit incentive to keep you engaged on your phone and not doing anything in the real world or if you're at least going to go out to dinner with your friends don't really engage with your friends take pictures of you engaging with your friends and your meal and then just hoping you get enough likes like that's part of it Excellent and that, example. that those yep. likes act as that surrogate activity that i matter and people care about me mm-hmm. and yeah my next particular film is this use of the quote-unquote extreme center. If you haven't watched the film, this is a hypothetical social movement that they use in the film to sort of exemplify how radicalism is fueled by the internet. And the film has this sort of uh, dramatic portion of it. And this uh, kid that's in high school gets wrapped up in this movement and goes to a protest and gets arrested. And I think that this is just an absolute cop-out by the director and producers of this film by making it the center and completely ignoring the fact that the right conservatives are much more susceptible to the conspiracy theories and the rabbit holes and the ways that technology manipulates our behavior to engage us and to polarize us. So the film makes it about the center and ignores the fact that it's actually the right that is uh, doing this more often. And this is just very uh, clear that this film exists on Netflix, which itself is a capitalistic platform. So they don't want to call out the right because then they would be alienated a, lar- a large They'd portion of half the population. Yeah, or whatever. But the sociological right? studies are all there that, again, one of my favorite examples is go to like something like a flat earth convention. And those people are almost all of a very, very right leaning political ideology. But that's, I mean, that's just the way it is. Interestingly, like in the film, the examples they use are like, the conspiracies of like how the Democrats created COVID and flat earthers and like all of these things are all conservative right wing conspiracy theories. But then in the film, they claim that they're part of this extreme center that they have just invented as this like fake social movement. So the examples in the film are all conservative and right wing, but then they don't ever use that term in the film, which you mean I mean, the film wants to try and appear fair and balanced, weird. which is like, yeah, I mean, again, just look at the fact that most of these individuals follow one source for news for their entire lives right right and then finally the the elephant in the room is capitalism i think that this is like the anti-capitalist film that almost was but they never actually critique capitalism they get really 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 close where they're talking about how the algorithms are designed to maximize profit and like all of these things but they never ever use that word and it's almost comedic at points um in the beginning they sit down all the people and they're getting ready to interview them and they switch from scene to scene and like the interviewer asks them what is the problem and they all struggle like well it's so complex and like it really, and at one point there, Tristan Harris is standing at the Center for Humane Technology practicing the speech that he's going to give if you ask people what's wrong in the tech industry right now there's a cacophony of grievances and scandals and they stole our data and there's tech addiction and there's fake news and there's polarization and there's some elections that are getting hacked but is there something that is beneath all these problems 
that's causing all these things to happen at once. Does this feel good? Very good. Yeah. Um, I'm just trying to, like, I want people to see, like, there's a problem happening in the tech industry, and it doesn't have a name, and it has to do with one source, like one. It has a name. The name is capitalism. And they never say that in the film. They dance around it and they use all these euphemisms and all these things, but they never actually call out the fact that capitalism is the problem. They constantly use all these, like I said, euphemisms, like the business model is broken. We just need to fix the business model and uh, all of these things. But it's abs they're talking about capitalism being the problem without ever saying that. In fact, one point, uh, Tristan Harris says, we have a moral responsibility as Google for solving this problem. And I cannot stress enough how that is incorrect. Google does not have a moral responsibility to fix this. Google, as a capitalist corporation, has a fiduciary duty to its shareholders to create value. So there's a huge sort of just like, I don't know if it's a gap of understanding or, a, or an unwillingness to take the next step or what's going on here, but they never call out that the problem is actually capitalism. And they, Tristan Harris is, uh, when he's testifying in front of Congress, one of the people asks him who should be held responsible. And his answer is, well, the platforms. The platforms should be responsible. They do not understand that it's absolutely irrational to expect a capitalist corporation to do something that isn't in line with generating profits and generating value for its shareholders. That will never happen. Google is doing exactly what Google was designed to do under capitalism. Facebook does exactly what Facebook is going to do under capitalism. There is no alternative under capitalism. That, that's just not possible. And I think it's just hilarious that they, if you watch the film, you'll see it's comedic, like how much they dance around uh, just blatantly calling out capitalism for being the problem. History bears out that cash rules everything around me. Um, and that's what we've seen when we live in under an economic system that is attached to almost this religious like ideology. And that's what it is. Money is our God. Um, it's almost, and they're super smart people. It is. I must stress. These are, these are very smart people, probably smarter than me in so many different other ways, except for this one, they cannot see outside of this, this basically they've been socially engineered and indoctrinated and, and into the believing into the system. They cannot see outside the cave of what they believe and that is everything should be commodified. Uh, think about how the commodification of land went in the past regarding indigenous peoples or the climate or commodification of trees or commodification, commodi commodification of fresh water. Well, now it's commodification of, ooh, I almost forgot, commodification of literal human beings or animals. Those are obviously wildly immoral. But mm -hmm. now we're, we're even taking it a step further. Capitalism has led to the commodification of ideas, the commodification of the way people think, the com com commodification of information, the commodification of data. When everything has a monetary value attached to it, there can be no moral or ethical arguments anymore. There, there's no morality or ethics to that. Yeah, and I think that, which is exactly what they're talking it's about. It's doing what it's supposed to film. do, which is make more money. And right. that's their only... They never go there, though, right? Yeah. They talk about how it's so terrible that our attention is being commodified, that these companies are trying to profit from making us do things online and g gaining our attention and right. all, like, all this stuff. But they never talk about how 
that's what the corporation will do under capitalism. It will very clearly, naturally commodify everything that it can. And that will only change outside of a capitalist economic and social system. Within that system, all they'll do is perform basic cost-benefit analyses. And if changing the behavior leads to some sort of benefit for them, they will change their behavior, but only if it leads to that benefit. Whether we're talking about green energy or meat consumption, or in this case, um, trying to make more ethical platforms that don't prey upon middle school children that's not going to be something that they change unless it is financially beneficial to their shareholders that's it and just one example of how close it gets in the film they interview throughout the film a man by the name of roger mcnamee and he was an early advisor to facebook and he's a venture capitalist and he says current situation exists not for the protection of users but for the protection of the rights and privileges of these gigantic incredibly wealthy companies are we always going to defer to the richest, most powerful people? Or are we ever going to say, you know, there are times when there is a national interest. There are times when the interests of people, of users, is actually more important than the profits of somebody who's already a billionaire. So close. I mean, we're almost there to the anti-capitalist critique, uh, but he doesn't come out and say it. Now, I don't know what these individuals' political ideologies are. Maybe they're all just like the most radical socialists or something that you could imagine, and they just made the conscious decision to not go into this film and use those terms because they knew that it would uh, only harm the efforts that they are putting forth in this film. But even so, by merely continuing the discourse along this path, right, they're doing a disservice to, I think, the change that actually needs to happen to solve this problem. But that's the point we were just driving at. Even if they are more radical and individually do say, hey, it's the economic systems that's the issue, the fact that they are willing to basically censor themselves so that this film can appear on Netflix and Netflix can make money shows how powerful that system is. 100%. Yeah. All right, we'll end it there. Let us know if you've seen the film. Uh, if you haven't, definitely uh, check it out. If you have, send us a comment uh, and let us know what you think of our critiques or if you thought of any others. There are actually some really good articles. One's by Slate uh, Magazine that has a critique of the film as well. Uh, so there's some other things out there also. Check those out. Uh, find us on revolutionandideology.com or on Twitter at Rev right and Ideology. Uh, yeah, I'm Nick. Jared. Later.